TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 513, and I am Livia, your host, and this week we have returning guests. I'm Tom. I'm interim chair of the communication department at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. This is Yusun from Los Angeles, costume designer and TV enthusiast. And this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. All righty. Let's start off with the news, and this week Tom has it all. Yes, I do. ABC has announced that Jamie Lynn Sigler is among a bunch of actors joining Big Sky for season two. They also gave a series order for the Sonoma Valley Latino drama Promised Land. Amazon is negotiating with Sony for a $100 million deal so that Hotel Transylvania 4 can skip theaters and go directly to Amazon. AMC has cast James Reed, blonde British dude, to play uh, Lestat in the Interview with Vampires series. Apple Ooh, TV. they're bringing Lestat back. I'm excited about that. Apple TV Plus has announced that Tim Robbins will join their adaptation of Wool, based on a novel. And they've also given a series order for the drama Bad Monkey, starring Vince Vaughn. <laughs> He's not the monkey. It's <laughs> your <laughs> Bill Lawrence. Uh, at the CW, Chloe Bennett has angled the Powerpuff Girls pilot and there's rampant speculation that she might be headed elsewhere for a prominent role. Um, Disney Plus has hired Yasir Lester as the head writer for Armor Wars, and they also announced that Black Panther 2 will introduce Dominique Thorne as Riri Williams' Ironheart ahead of the series. And Disney Plus has also announced they've reached 116 million subscribers ahead of time. Fox picked up Housebroken for season two, FX has picked up What We Do in the Shadows for season four out of season three here. And they have American Love Story, an American Sports Story anthology series. And they've also announced that Studio 54 colon American Crime Story is in development. Freeform has canceled Everything is Going to Be Okay after two seasons. Guess it's not. (laughs) (laughs) That was too easy. HBO picked up White Lotus for season two. It will have a new uh, bunch of visitors. And the finale had 1.9 million viewers, which is pretty impressive in one week on HBO. Bill Burnham is exiting the Lakers limited series. He's being replaced by Sean Patrick Small as Larry Bird. They've added four others, most prominently Rachel Hilson, who's a lead on Love, Victor. HBO Max has greenlit an Adventure Time spinoff featuring Fiona and Cake. Kathy Griffin will recur in Search Party Season 5. And Misha Green and Journey Smollett are developing a Black Canary film, which I think is going to happen because HBO dropped the ball with Misha Green in not greenlighting a second season of Lovecraft Country. Netflix has announced that Catherine Zeta-Jones will play Morticia for the Wednesday Addams series. The last Airbender cast has been revealed. Gordon Cormier from... uh, the Stand will play Ong and the bunch is a bunch of kids I've never heard of. Albert Kim from Sleepy Hollow and Nikita is the new confirmed showrunner. Never, never Have I Ever has received a season three order. Manifest is racing to retain cast members in case the ne- negotiations for season four are ne- successful. Power creator Courtney A. Camp has signed a multi-year 
PHAT fat deal with Netflix. Warners is negotiating for All Rise to continue for season three on Oprah Winfrey Network. Peacock actually canceled something, the Punky Brewster reboot, which nobody I know watched. I was about to say there was a Punky Brewster reboot. <laughs> um, they've also greenlit a Field of Dreams series adaptation from Michael Shore, and Billy Zane will replace Mickey Rourke in the MacGruber series as the bad guy. And finally, Hank Azaria will be Tim Cook for the Uber limited series called Super Pumped on Showtime. That's it. Wow, that's that a lot. like the one. What is like the only new show original in the last like six or seven you named? They are redoing everything. 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 Wow. Nostalgia, and also they own the license. Yep. Yeah. Yep. What, what, what IPs do we own? Let's do something new with it. Yes. Oh. All right. Let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about Schmigadoon season finale. <laughs> Which was a bit abrupt. Yeah, yeah, very much. This is weird. I feel like we talked about this. We did not. Uh, we we, 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 just, we texted about it. Oh, okay. Because I was like, wait, I remember having this conversation. It's, we did have this conversation, but in text. Okay. It's weird that it felt abrupt because three hours for a Broadway musical is pretty... That's a lot of. That's a big. That's a that's long a running time. Point. Yeah, so that's we got it. We point. got it at an hour at a time, and it just felt like the resolution of the, the. I think it was the simultaneousness of them both realizing that they're really in love at this. Like how? Well, but that's a musical. To. But that is literally as a musical. Kind of what happens. That's where right. we were headed. Anyway, I mean, it did follow the trope of the musical. Yeah, it did. As as a sick. Because you know the thing is, it was paced not as. Uh, a, a movie musical, but as a series in 30 minute increments, you know, we got li- little bits. And I think that just as a series, um, it just wrapped up all the, the threads oh, that they absolutely. left way too quickly. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it, it I, wrapped I, everything I up, but it, yeah, but it did feel like, I think I felt like it needed another episode. Oh, just like, absolutely. just like one more episode. And I think it would have felt perfect. Or to go back and, you know, take some nips and tucks in previous... I I think six episodes was a good amount of episodes. I just think that they they needed to go back and rebalance them. Because there were some episodes, like the Kristen Chenoweth big production number from episode five, that was was kind of a big nothing burger. Yeah, Yeah, it was really long. It was really long. So, yes, but I love her. I mean, I saw her on stage, just, as, you know, as Glenda. I love her, but it I was too her. Long. She's fantastic. But the, and, yeah. and the thing is, it was the wrong song to give for her. When you've got an instrument like that, yeah. you don't give her a patter song to do. A pat- um, what's a patter song? Oh, like, I, like a, a, a talkie song. song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what they used to call them before the word rap came into <laughs> came into being. But, um but that's that's you know what they they gave her. It was a Trouble in River City uh, clone, basically, and yeah. and it it was weird for her, in particular, to be to be singing. But I I I loved this series so much, and I, I did, wanted yes. it to go longer just because I was enjoying watching it so much. And so yeah, it's when they wrapped everything up, I was like, but why you were doing so well? You didn't stop here. <laughs> uh, I understand that the, they ended it like deliberately without anything really happening. They don't cross that bridge. And now they're talking about possibly getting a season two. 
in other they have to. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, but then how are you going to explain them not? I feel like they have to get home because they are in their true love, and then maybe they come back. Or, well, I'm not opposed to two new leads, up. even though I loved the two new leads. But I'm not opposed to them doing the thing that some series do that's like, you know, same, you know, same environment, but we're going to bring you two more leads. You know yeah. what I mean? Or, like, the thing is, I could absolutely see like Martin Short's little leprechaun character come in and they can't they realize they can't get out still. And he says, but you still haven't done this. And, oh. and there's another catch that they've got to do. It's like now they've got to make other people fall in love or something like that. Right, right. So, right. The, yeah, there's got to be some other thing that keeps them there, um, which I could totally. And that's that's a standard kind of thing, to, a little trope for, for the musical. Or like, they could be absorbed by the community, right, sort of like Stepford Wives. And then I'm combining the two <laughs> You know, like, and then, but not in a creepy way, like in a lovely, beautiful musical way. And then two more couples come in, you know what I mean? And they kind of become, I'm stealing, I'm, I'm working on your, I mean, I'm building on your idea, Allison. And then, so two new people come in, another couple, and then these guys are kind of like the welcome committee, sort of, sort of. I mean, that would be. Well, I mean, well, like, we're not writing the show, so yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm we're not spitballing the next there, season. So. Well, here's. Here's what I will say. I think we all agree that it was it was very truncated, the, the ending and, and whatnot. Um, I also I want to say this and this is not a diss to so Keegan Michael Keys. Uh, he's not a singer, clearly. Um, but uh, I don't well, I feel like the way he broke into song or whatever happened, like it was just a little shy of like a massive climax. You know what I mean? Like we all knew that it was going to end with him finally breaking out into yeah, song. Yeah, but it was good. I liked it though. I did. I didn't know. Like, I've seen him. I've seen him in other projects where he does sing, and he sings much better than he did right? in this production. No, I'm not wrong, think, right? I'm not think, wrong. No, it, no, it, it was very weak, and I think it was not be. You know. Because Josh, his character, is not supposed to be a musical. That's true. Yes, that's what I I don't care. It's a musical. It doesn't need to be realistic. My payoff (laughs) needs to be that he belts it out. I mean, that is what I thought he committed to that too much. I figured when he starts out really weak and shaky, that's great. But halfway through the song, especially when they do their little key change crescendo, um, that's when he should suddenly start singing like he's been doing it all his life. Yeah, he, he does have a, that instrument. I've heard him in other things, and, uh, yeah, and so it was kind of disappointing that he just committed to the character being weak as a singer. All right, Tom. Any thoughts? Wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah, Tom. Any thoughts? No. Overall, I love the series. I mean, I'm I'm a musical theater nerd, so so, and I I in in another uh, academic land, I directed a couple of musicals, so it, it was a lot of fun. And especially if you're playing, guess what song they're paying tribute to? Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's wrap. I want to wrap this one up. Yeah, I want to wrap this one up. I think we're overall, we're saying we love the series and maybe the ending did not suit everybody, but I think we still enjoyed it. Yeah, so yes. Oh, yes. I think it's worth yes. the ride. I do think it's worth the ride. All right. Overall thumbs up. Yes. Next up. We're going to talk about two episodes of Motherland, Fort Salem, and we have episode eight and nine. Next week is the finale, and they set us up perfectly. Oh, my God. I Can I say that uh, that moment... I know I'm skipping ahead, but I just have to say, I 
I know that technically speaking, General Adler's supposed to be the bad guy, is sort of, and she did horrible things. But seeing that flashback with her when all those, like, yeah. she, her oh, grief wow. created the mycelial network or whatever that's, yeah. no, I'm on a different show. Woo! Whatever. <laughs> no, you, you are. Right. Oh, okay. You are right. Okay, so just her grief creating that was so moving to me. And then at the very end, when all the uh, soldiers like stood up to her, and and she had to step down from power, like I felt her pain. Like I was like, yeah. am I supposed to not? Am I supposed to be like, hey, she's gone? But I was totally like with her. And yeah, so if this too. is the last we see of the general, I'm going to be kind of upset. Oh, no, no, no. You, you, you can't keep a good anti-hero down. <laughs> no, She's not, not at all. I, I and, love and, you know, her. I, I don't know how, how many of you are watching the, the After the Storm commentaries that they have on uh, this not, show. Not but the showrunner the show runner has said he is Team Adler. I um, am so Team he Adler. He clearly does not see her as, as just a villain. You know, clearly. You know what? That's one of my favorite things about the show is they are not shying away from like it isn't a simple, easy the trope of like you know we hate her now we love her. It's she's still ambiguous. We you know what I mean? Love to hate and, Alder. Come on. I don't hate yeah, Alder at all. I don't even hate her. That's I don't what I'm hate her. Like I feel um, like there's. I think she's she's a, a complicated trope. character. She's yeah. someone. First of all, you imagine somebody who, who first of all, commands those kinds of powers and also yeah. is up against terrible odds and has been trying to run this organization for 300 years. Yeah. And you're, yeah. you're going to have somebody who's, who's going to have all sorts of weird conflicts and obsessions and, and ways of doing things that are going to conflict with other people's more modern values and I, I love the way they're playing it. And I love the way she's playing the character. Um, I, I just find her just endlessly compelling. All of that. I, I did love <laughs> when Ralph as President Wade confronted her because either she figured it out or somebody told her that she had been puppeted. So she was like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, Shirley Ralph is 64 and she looks amazing. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, she, she really does. I, in fact, I kind of was like, it was interesting because I really was like, you know, she's been around for a really long time. And I know that, but because of just how amazing she looked, I was like, has she not been around as long as I like have remembered her? Because it was, yeah, it was stunning. I just, I want to say quickly, because I, it's boring if I just say agree, agree. Um, so I will, I will switch tact and just remind people of what happened in the, you know, well, no, not no, last no, episode, no, but the episode No, no, before. just, well, I don't want to get a recap. I want to know what you no, think. No, 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 I'm not talking about a recap. I'm talking about something about something that actually happened. That's what I'm trying to say, is I really loved the scene in the cast where they were like fighting oh, you know yeah. what I mean? really saying some harsh stuff to each other again it's like the show doesn't lean into like I mean it was essentially a girl cat fight you know what I mean but like yeah. not in a way that was like you know what I mean like sexist and demeaning it like really fit in with the script um, the stuff they were saying was powerful and like it just added to the whole you know what I mean like the show in general doesn't pull punches. It's very dramatic. It takes you places emotionally. And I will say the same thing. Uh, we've already been talking about how complex 
Adler is, but I disliked her a lot in the beginning. So I, I think they, the, the arc that they're putting her on is so powerful that, and even lastly, and you, you mentioned it, Libya, but that the scene where every, it's the Spartacus scene, you know, right, I right. am Spartacus, I am Spartacus. Again, something we've seen, it's a trope. I, I, I know we use that word too much, but again, I felt like they brought something new to it. And even if they didn't, even if it was exactly the same, the emotional impact was still there. It wasn't diminished by me having seen this version in multiple movies. And I think that's really hard to do. You know what I mean? To kind of be like, nah, I've seen this before. Uh, and it's a tribute to, like Allison mentioned, her acting, you know, and just the writing of the show. It does a great job of giving us both things we've seen before, uh, really great cliffhangers and surprises. You know, I, I'm always constantly surprised by the show. Again, a trope but where um, Nikta, you know, um, hides herself and they swap out, you know, and she mm -hmm. ends up being, you know, and we've seen that before. It doesn't matter. Still surprised me. Still really good. So I think the show does a really good job of balancing, uh, giving us surprises, giving us real tension. And then also, you know, you know, we've seen witches. We've seen this. We've seen that. But it still seems fresh and new to me in a way that, like, I love this show. And it and it, the pacing is fantastic. It's like breathless. You know what I mean? I, I watched, you know, I just keep watching it thinking, oh, my God, I'm like almost exhausted by the end of it. And I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, for real. I'm like, whew, that was a trip, you know. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great show. Is anybody else not excited that Scylla and uh, Rayel are back together? Uh, Who cares? That's yeah. yeah that's that's one okay, thread I, that's that I really don't care because I'm like, uh, seriously, come on. Yeah. Who cares? She, well, she no. kept from you that your mother was still alive. No, no yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, over that. Yeah, I was yeah. never into that to be honest. All right, mm. but let's let's move on. I think we're all giving it. Unless somebody has any further comment. Nope. Okay. We're all giving it two thumbs up. We love this season so far, and I have no doubt that the finale is going to be fantastic. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about the first two episodes of What If? And in the first one, we have Captain Carter. So what if, instead of Steve Rogers getting the serum, we get Captain Carter with the serum? And I have to say, it was kind of awesome. Um, the only... It was kind of like an explanationary episode where they basically redid Captain America First Avenger but with Carter in the role. Yeah. So they didn't really change events much at all. They just yeah. had her there and they had, well, they had Rogers in a rudimentary uh, Iron Man suit, I guess. Hydra Stomper. Hydra Stomper, yeah. Yes. But what'd you guys think? to be the Iron Giant. I, I want to jump right in because I want to say that I 100% I, I agree with you, except that I was less enthused about it. Like, I, you know, especially because we, I, you know, because of episode two, just really putting the story, you know, upside down for us uh, and doing an amazing job. But I, since we're talking about the first one, I will just say, and you guys can take it from here. Um, I don't, you know, I kind of, I'm sorry, but like, and I didn't hate it. I, I know I say that a lot. Uh, because if I do hate it, I will tell you guys. Um, I just, it was so by the book. I was, when, when it was introduced to me, the, I know nothing about the show. The, 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 I didn't even know it was on. It was a thing. I don't know about the comics. So I really went in fresh. Uh, and I want people who don't know stuff also, you know, I'm, I'm speaking for them. Um, 
I loved it. it. You know, the beginning, I thought this is great. You know, and I love uh, Peggy Carter. I love Haley Atwell. So I'm, I'm, I'm a built-in audience right there. I think the only reason it suffered for me is because they really didn't do anything new with it. So I didn't hate it, but especially in comparison comparison to the second episode which i'll hold my tongue on for now um yeah i i liked it but i i thought it could have been just a stronger intro to the series to really make it seem like wow you know this is you know so i get the premise but i i just didn't like that it was just sort of by the number yeah well this first one like i said was like training wheels so make sure you understand yeah i know i would have rather yeah it didn't change a lot I would have rather they, my point is, I would have rather they just blow me away and be like, whoa, is this what they're doing with the series? That's all. It's just a difference of opinion. I liked it. Tom, go ahead. Did anybody catch the throwaway line that when when Sharon rescues Bucky, he says, you almost ripped my arm off. Yes, I did. I did catch that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Nicely done. Uh, Allison, your thoughts on this one? No, I really, I really enjoyed the first episode. Um, I... I know that there's been a lot of talk of that, you know, why is Peggy so much more powerful than, than uh, Steve was. And I think that's just a function of animation. They, they kind of decided, well, we're going to do this because we can. Um, and I loved it. The whole, the whole aerial fight. I thought, Oh was yeah. And the airplane was great. Yeah. It was beautiful. I mean, gorgeously animated, absolutely wonderfully done. Um, and I loved seeing Peggy as Captain Carter. I did. I, they, I was just all in for that. Um, so I really enjoyed the, and, and they had like the little inside lines, like, you know, you almost ripped my arm off. Um, they, they peppered that throughout. So I just, I thought it was a really, really great episode. I thought it was really fun. And I, and I also enjoyed how they had Peggy and Steve still, you know, having, having a yeah, thing their for relationship. each other. Yeah. Yeah, Even though he isn't that big, you know, Captain America anymore, she still is attracted to him. Well, I mean, a, you know, I think she was, part. yeah, I think she was before, like when she first saw yeah. him. So I yeah, think that, that works. Fun. Yeah, that works for me. All right, I Tom. Think I- I think more than works. I think it's essential. I think, yeah. you know, I mean, the whole the whole series or movies ended on that. You know what I mean? So you got to have it. You know what yeah. I mean? You got it. So, yeah. Uh, Tom, uh, you're, you're, let's take us into the second episode. Oh, my gosh. All the feels. What if T'Challa became Star-Lord? So, basically... Yandu and the Ravagers go to the wrong place. They go to Wakanda. Well, they were and, picking up weird t- signals. <laughs> and T'Challa oh, happens, nice. young T'Challa happens to have ventured outside the protective, um, the, the protective dome surrounding Wakanda. So he ends up growing with the Ravagers. And what's really cool about this episode, and I will defend them using Captain Carter first, because you want a pilot to kind of explain the basic premise of the show and I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure this episode was further down, but they moved it up because of, of Bozeman's passing. But they went all for it. That one simple thing completely changed the arc of the Marvel Cinematic Universe to the point that Thanos... So we see him pitching his idea to other people like he's a bartender or something and people are like, ah, nah. (laughs) And Nebula Nebula played by um, Doctor Who, Amy Pond from Doctor Who. Gillian Anderson. No, she's not Gillian Anderson. Sorry. Gillian. Gillian. Karen Gillian. Gillian. There we go. She has a normal life and she and Star-Lord have a thing going on. 
I love that she calls blonde him cha-cha. Hair. Beautiful blonde hair. I love that she calls him cha-cha. Well, yeah. Yes! It, it was just, it was so moving, and they really just went wild with all the differences between this, this. But I, uh, but I actually thought, I think what was interesting is Yandu pretty much did the same thing in both versions, where he kept his war, he falls, he kind of falls in love with the kid that he kidnaps yeah. and decides yeah. to raise both of them to the to the point where he lies. He lied to Peter Quill about, you know, who his dad was. And he lied to T'Challa about his home being destroyed so so that he could keep the kid and be their father. So I think that that's actually really interesting, too. Yes. But the ending was just, you know, if you didn't have, if you weren't for Clamped or running to get some Phoenix. Because when the truth comes out. He forgives Yondu, and he's restored yeah. to his family, and it's like, oh, and Chadwick Boseman's still dead. Oh, uh, God. Why uh, would you say you that? Asked, I'm just calling wow. it out. It was just, uh, they dedicated the episode to him, yeah. but no, it was, this was a terrific episode. And the animation, this I don't know if the same animation company did both episodes, but the animation in both of them was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. it looked really yeah. good. And very distinctive. I, 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 I have a question. Did we know that the collector was this big, strong fighter that was, like, I was like, I remember from the movie, he wasn't that big. No, I think that was a change-up. Libby, I think that was a change-up. I think that was one of the change-ups. I, you know, I'll jump in here by saying that I, I I think they did, it's sort of like what I said about Motherland in the sense that, oh my God, what a, just, they walked that fantastic line of giving us that basic story and yet changing it up in so many ways, small and large, that it, it was perfect, that the balance of, and let me say, I haven't always been a fan of the the comedy of, of the Avengers. I mean, there's so many movies, there's 20 of them, so certainly it works better than others in certain movies and you know certain characters, that's fair. Um, but even the humor was so precise. I thought it was, you know, we mentioned Thanos and I just, I loved how Every single person was like, yeah, that's genocide. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) That, like, repeat joke throughout the show episode was hilarious, you know? And you... It's hard to make a joke about genocide. You know what I mean? Come on, guys. So that to me was the epitome of that beautiful walking the the the, the tightrope of you know just funny and new, but but old. You know what I mean? It was film familiar and comfortable. And the last thing I will say though is, I I could not get over the fact when I first started watching it again. Remember, don't know anything about it. Nothing. 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 I, you know, for the first few seconds or minute, I was like, oh my God, is that really Chadwick Boseman? You know what I mean? And like, you know, we all know animation takes a really long time. So it was very easy for me to understand like, oh, well, this was obviously filmed, you know, before he passed, you know, blah, blah, blah. But still, I just really wasn't sure, you know, and then it dawned on me. And then, you know, and then I, I, you know, after the episode was over, I definitely checked, but clearly it was him. And I, I, I cried through more than one section of the episode uh you know his he he was so good in that role and and all of the kind of honor and uh beauty and whatever he brought to the role he brought to his voice acting you know what I mean um so clearly just more proof to me what what an amazing good I mean I've been I was a fan of Chadwick Boseman well before most people knew about him so to me it was even more poignant and moving because it was just 
a testament to, you know, he doesn't need, we don't need to see his actual face. We don't need to see his body language, which I thought, again, that was a huge part of T'Challa being in real life, real live action, being so powerful because you believed, you know, in his movement and his motions, his comportment. And for him to be able to do that and the humor, like he was funny throughout the episode. It was an incredibly strong uh, experience for me and really a great episode. Somebody else take take charge because I'm about to cry. I'm about to break <laughs> Somebody else talk because I'm about to cry. All right, go um, ahead. Okay, well, um, I'm going to be the outlier here because I did okay. not like episode two. Wow. And I wanted to like episode I so wanted to like episode two because, you know, it is the last bits that we're going to get of Chadwick Boseman playing T'Challa. And I went into it, you know, really with high hopes. And the, you know, the, the thing is, you're, yes, it was like they did a lot of, you know, big changes, but none of them made any sense. And the characters were constantly out of character. And mm. T'Challa was turned into this just laughably ridiculous Marty Stew character. It, it was like watching bad fanfic. Incredibly beautifully animated bad fanfic and beautifully acted. Um, all the voiceover work was fantastic. Yeah. But, but it was just everything was so out of character. And T'Challa was this, this, this shining beacon of light and love that was so great that he could even change Thanos from a bad guy to, you know, I mean, Thanos was someone who was so obsessed with his, his ideas about what he was going to do with the universe that he would sacrifice the daughter he loved to do it. And yet a little chit chat over tea with T'Challa is all it took for him to completely change it around. But the thing is T'Challa never had any of those abilities in the movies. He was never that convincing in the movies. If he had been, then I'd say, okay, fine. You put him in a different situation and that can happen, but he didn't. And, and it also doesn't explain things like, okay, they picked up the wrong kid. Why didn't they just bring him back and get the right one? Why didn't why why did Yondo treat him so much better than he did Peter Quill? Um, it, it's just all of these things that just it, it it was like fun to watch as long as you turned your brain off. But as soon as sure. you said, wait a minute, how does this hold together? It just collapses into a pile, and and I just I couldn't overlook that, and it, it made me crazy. Uh, it's as much as I wanted to love this episode, it, the fact that no, none of it made any sense whatsoever. Um, I, 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 oh, guys, guys, we don't have time to wait, 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 wait. We don't have time to debate this because I, I no, feel like one this. Sentence rebuttal, one sentence rebuttal. That is literally everything that you said, Allison. I agree with, but that is why I liked it because it was so out of character, so wacky. That's all I got to say. All right, let's move on. Oh, no, Tom, go ahead. I just want to give a shout out to my former flatmate, Graham Fisher, who edited both of these episodes. Okay. All right. Next up, uh, we're going to talk about Bad Batch, which was the season finale, and uh, we'll all season. It's had good animation, so that's never been the question. But all season, it's been standalone-y and been doing really bizarre things. And finally, in this episode, it all kind of well, the two-parter really kind of came together and ended the story in a way that I thought was interesting. Like, they went through all of this to rescue, uh, what is it? Crosshairs. And you really realize that Crosshairs is really kind of a jerk. (laughs) Like, like, it's not programming, it's not anything. It's not the chip. 
You're just an a-hole. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then when it gets down to it, even after the Republic or the Empire has left him to die, to blow him up, he still chooses to go back with them knowing what kinds of people they are because he wants power and he likes killing people. And this will give him the chance to do that. Um, So, yeah, he basically... I wish that they had made him more textured, more interesting. Um, I, I don't know if I feel like they did. I feel like they just decided, you know what, we could have made him more textured, but we just decided to make him a bad guy. I will say that there was a nice moment between him and Omega when they go back to rescue him and she's instrumental in that and then he ends up of his own volition even though he's an a-hole rescuing her right and it just because he feels like he has kind of an obligation you know quid pro quo but mm, they need to seriously consider doing a shorter season because the standalone episodes were like anchors around, you know, mm-hmm. a. They, they were they were t- they were not good. They were like leftover, you know, rejected Mandalorian scripts, except for the ones yeah. that introduced other parts of the Star Wars mythos. But the side missions, they need to stay on point with a big arc, and everything needs to play into it. Otherwise, you're just spinning gears. Yeah, I agree. I, I I think you know, and and I think actually the the season could be just the same number of episodes as long as they found more interesting things to do with the core cast and the the storyline itself. You know, when you said that that uh, Crosshairs was not really given enough texture and depth as a character, they could have done that with with those episodes. We could have we could have seen Crosshair in situ and and followed his story because he is part of of their group um and gotten more of his story and what motivates him instead of following these these one-off stories and these other characters from the other series that really you know we're not invested in or at least i'm not invested in because i didn't watch those other series so I, i just think that they need to really consider how they use their time better and keep on mission really um, keep that arc and and stay with it. Right. Because we still don't know why Omega is special. We still don't know a lot of stuff after a whole first season. Like, they mm-hmm. started off the season with, like, Omega's special. And you'll find out why, but obviously not this season. So I, I'm kind of frustrated by that. Yeah, same. All right. Any, uh, we're just move on. There's not a lot to talk about for Bad Batch. Um, next up, we're going to talk about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And it came back. <laughs> this is the last season, and they're just dropping episodes like they're mixtapes. So we got like four episodes of Brooklyn Nine Nine in two weeks. And I will give them credit where in the first episode back, they try to deal with all the stuff that's happened since they've been off the air. So the first episode was a little more serious than they normally would have done, and they dealt with, but they tried to deal with it in a, as humorous fashion as they could. But I will say the thing that actually got me verklempt was at the very end when you find out that Holt has been acting weird and you don't know why, and he finally says that it was he 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 broke up or separated from his husband because the whole race issue was pressing so much on him. He didn't know how to communicate and he shut down. 
and then it just broke down their marriage and now I was lost. I was like I didn't realize I was invested in that relationship until he said they broke up and I was like no <laughs> and then we get the episode where Jake decides <laughs> yeah go ahead, go ahead Tom. get them back together <laughs> that was fantastic that was the first the first real comedy comedy back and that episode was fantastic I think I love how they 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 find ways to integrate Rosa, even though she technically resigned from the force. But you know, I think we're gonna every episode. Oh, we need to bring in Rosa, our you know our favorite PI. <laughs> yeah, she's great. But I mean, I like that cabin episode so much because uh, it was really funny, but it dealt with the fallout. Yeah, personal relationship, and Holt has had more dialogue. In these last couple episodes, and I think he has the whole yeah. series. Like, what well, the yeah. heck? When, when, yeah. you, when you hire Andre Brower, you know, multiple Emmy-winning actor, to play this crazy comedic role, you got to give him some meat. And, and the well, dude delivers. Go ahead, Yusin. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, of course, I agree with, with Tom. But, uh, you know, I think because of his skill it's sort of like a silent movie actor like without a lot of dialogue just like facial expressions and like body language and stuff like he's able to pull off like silent but deadly you know what i mean like acting you know so i agree with you of course but i don't think that the quality or the showing the you know his the quality of his acting is diminished so much in the sense that um he's able to pull off silent but deadly which is incredibly difficult you know what i mean so um and then i just want to say i you guys were breaking up a little bit so i didn't hear what you said for the first episode but so i'll just say that it's really interesting uh and it's going to continue to be uh for me uh, you know, I w- you know, there was a lot of talk. Uh, a- a- Adam Sandberg, uh, a- a- you know, even said, you know, uh, how to make topical, you know, these these civil kind of societal real issues, how to keep it funny, and how do they not address it? They're a show about the police, you know. So um, forgive me, I don't know if anyone mentioned this, but that scene where they talk about the bureaucracy and the red tape and the whole blue wall and all that stuff uh, with the, the captain, you know, whatever. Um, and it was really hard to listen to because it is absolutely one of the things that is one of the things that is most difficult about that situation. Uh, you know, the, the lack of, of, of uh, accountability and the, and the blue wall and all, all of that stuff. Um, and yet I still did find it funny you know, so um, and that's really hard to to do. So uh, I mean, yeah. So I would love this show, and I feel like it's sort of the good place um, phenomenon for me. Meaning, like, I know it's its last season, so I kind of don't care. You know what I mean? It's sort of a a send off for me to, to them. I just want to, you know, say goodbye to the characters. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that the quality isn't good, but I'm just literally saying, I don't know that I can be fully objective. I've loved the show. It was a creeper show for me. I've convinced multiple people to start streaming it, especially during the pandemic. No one was disappointed. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying the show can't do any wrong, but it's, it's their, you know, glory walk or whatever they call that. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, it's bittersweet, but I I also think I think I'll end by saying I do think the show should end. I feel like, you know, we, it, they've kind of done what they, you know, I don't I don't know. I feel like every a lot of stuff has been said and done, and they're they're kind of you know not shying away from current topical issues. And I will be sad to see it go, but I do think it's time. I do. All right, 
Well, let's move on. Uh, thumbs up, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And you have to say it sure. properly. Nine-Nine? It has to be said like nine, that. Nine-Nine! All right. <laughs> uh, next up, we're going to talk about Superman and Lois. And they had a two-part finale. And, uh, I mean, the first part of the two-part finale started off super slow. Uh, and I felt like that was one of those extra episodes that they gave them that they were just like, I wonder what we do with this. Um, but the finale was pretty good. Well, wait, we're not in the finale. Finale's next week. Sorry. No, finale, finale aired. So it was 15. That was the finale. That was yep. the finale, yeah. Oh, even though it was episode 15, I thought they were getting 16. They, they, only, they only got two extra episodes. So it's 15. What, okay. Wendy and I looked it up online, and multiple sources said that there are 16 episodes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not contradicting IMDb you says that there's 16 episodes. And actually, two of my TV apps said there's 16 episodes. And, I mean, I, I listen, I'm not fighting for this. I just, I'm confu- I'm very confused, because Libby and I looked up this up. Uh, and I'll check, I I'll check IMDb. Well, because uh, they ran it as the finale, and it sure ended on the kind of tune-in next season. Yeah, it did end on a cliffhanger. It definitely felt that way. It did end on a good cliffhanger. Yeah, but uh, I, IMDb must be wrong then. Whatever. I don't know. Uh, no, IMDb counts the episode. Episode 2.1 is the 16th. Ah, What's 2. that 1? makes sense. That makes sense. Well, I just want to oh, say... Anyway. What, I want to. I want to. I want to piggyback on what Libya said, um, because it is a two-parter, and one was incredibly slow. But by the end, it kind of picked up. I, they should have just. They could have paced it differently. They could have broken up those two episodes better. Like, you know what I mean? Like instead of because I thought the end was really crammed in the second hour. Uh, you know, two point one. I guess is what we're calling it. Um, I uh, I think that if all of what we saw in both episodes was split better, uh, I think it would have been incredibly strong. I thought that the uh, the finale was way too Hollywood ending, and I wish I could remember a scene that I wanted to bring up as a point. Um, but it was so unrealistic. You know, it, it was something to do with the fight or the sun or something, and I thought there's no way that he wouldn't oh, blah, blah, blah. It was like the way they described how hard it is to break out of the eradication, and the and Clark was like, it was almost impossible for me to do yes. it. And yes. and for Clark, I believe that he's strong enough, but yes. for the son, it was like yes. his mom was like, I love you, you're strong, okay. Yes. And then he was, I was like, come on, you nailed it, you nailed <laughs> it. And he's about to fry the... his brother with heat vision, yes. right? Yeah. No, you nailed it. First of all, he wouldn't have taken that long. Just one snap. You know what I mean? And in fact, you know what? It wasn't the brother. Uh, sorry, it was the mother. That very last scene was actually that the, the, the denouement of that was the brother saying, I love you. You know what I mean? And so I feel like it wasn't even the story so much as the, the direction or the whatever, meaning like, I, I, Libya, you couldn't have said it better. It And that's part of the, it rushed and too easy. Like, I felt like, it, I, it's a trope, guys, I know. But if, if the brother had said something even more impactful, kind of like, I forgive you, or I know this isn't you, I love you, you know what I mean? And that snapped him out of it. But for him to just be like, I love you, you know what I mean? And I was like, but I, you know, they could have milked the twin thing a little bit better, you know, and the whole like, this isn't you, I understand, I forgive you. I know, we've seen, heard that a million times. But, but anyway... It was really the first time that I felt like the show didn't do the thing that I've loved all season long, which is in this extraordinary world with all these incredible circumstances, that it felt still very real and organic. 
you know, I felt like the ending was just kind of, you know, paint by numbers, resolution, happy ending, you know, being people being rescued and people being snapped out of evil and stuff. So I can't, I can't b deny that I was, uh, I was a little disappointed. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but I was, I was disappointed. I thought they kind of got a little lazy, cheated and rushed. So, right. well, I, you know, yeah. uh, Allison, go ahead. No, I agree. It just it did feel rushed. And also, I think that they part of the what what didn't work about it is that, you know, uh, Alex Garfin, who plays the, the one of the two sons, plays Jordan. Jordan. Um, he's he's fine when he's playing the kid, but he his range is very small. And it, when he was asked to play a different character, a, you know, a, a radically different character, even if it's, you know, the, Jordan being possessed by this, this person, it really demonstrated yeah. his limitations. And this was unfortunate. And it was one of the reasons, I think, why, why this stuff just didn't work. Um, so I, I think, you know, if the show... I mean, asking, uh, asking a 16, 17-year-old to play a 60-year-old villain is a little bit of a stretch. It's uh, tough going for anyone, but uh, yeah. you know, and 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 it didn't work for him at all. But uh, I, I no, think, I'm, I'm agreeing you know, with you, but I just, yeah, I felt a little more. I'm like, I gave him a little slack for that. Yeah, How about well, that last moment though. <laughs> yeah, I called it though because they were yes, spending so much time with Jonathan obsessing about the video of his sister. He's like, I want to meet my sister. I can't wait. I wish I could have met my sister. I was like, oh, she's gonna show up, and <laughs> boom, <laughs> and boom. And I was like, yep, that's about right. And I'm glad, because uh, I, I like the idea of this really weird mixed family kind of situation, <laughs> where apparently Lois has two husbands and a bunch of kids. <laughs> I was like, go, girl! Lois and her brother she husbands. She gets around. <laughs> and her brother husbands, yes. So I, I think that that is going to be an interesting, because I like the character of John, what's his last name? John Henry. John Henry. Yeah, I like his character and the idea of him just going off to hang out with his sister and we never see him again. I didn't like that at all. And so I was like, oh, perfect. Now he's got to stay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good point. The, the freshest take on a blended family ever. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm saying thumbs up. I can't wait for next season. Well, I mean, the finale did what it's supposed to do, which is make me excited sure. for next season. I did not necessarily like everything that happened in the actual finale because like it was too clean but whatever man i've liked most of the season overall i'd say this season's but definitely the best thing berlanti's done on the cw so i pray that, that it does not go the way of the typical berlanti series trajectory that's true yes. a good strong first season and then right into the crapper well oh, no yeah. second season's usually pretty good and then third is when the decline happens. All right. Well, man, that means we got one more. All right, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about The Chair. And I will say I've only seen the first episode of The Chair. I did not see any more. And that's actually good because we're kind of running short on time. So let's make this fast. Uh, this was Sandra O's uh, lead into a Netflix series. She literally plays the chair of an English department as the lead. And it's her... Uh, trials and tribulations as a female chair at this university who's had that's had well basically it's representing all universities which are all having similar issues which is low attendance and how do you keep your numbers up and blah 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 so it's got all that and i feel like tom should lead this since 
You are currently the chair of your department. Yeah, my big... I love Sandra O. Oh. Let me just put that out there. Just, you know, even before, even before Grey's Anatomy, she was on my radar. And then her Oscar nom for Sideways. That said, they went for such low-hanging fruit. It's like they read a bunch of stuff about college campuses nowadays but didn't actually bother to go to one and visit people. <laughs> so my, my, big, my biggest problem with the series and and there are many, but the way they treat the students with such with such contempt. You know, I've been teaching for 23 years. I very rarely in 23 years met students who are just complete jerks who are just out to make trouble or whatnot. And his and and even though Jay Duplass's lecture you know, the, the, the Hitler salute was, was ill-advised. However, His sub the context, in the context of the speech, it was good. Within the context yeah. of the lecture, that was actually, a, that was a solid lecture. And many yeah. of our classes, we don't allow students to use technology because we want them to freaking pay attention. So I, I just wish that they hadn't treated the students with such contempt because I have amazing students. Okay, well, what about uh, Sandra? Oh, what do you think of how she's doing? What's her story? It's fine, but they just, again, they went. I hated that she didn't go to Holland Taylor's meeting because she was trying to rescue Jay Duplass from himself. Right. Because, I, yeah. I think that's part of the point, though, that she's so put upon and that she's kind of messy. You know what I mean? That she, oh, In the first episode, she already betrays a friend because she's got this super messy relationship with this guy. She's got this, like, terrible kid. I mean, sorry, not terrible. Trouble. 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 And trouble what is kid. it with kids on these shows these days? Oh, they're all annoying. They're, they're all, all annoying. rats from hell. Yes. yes, rats from it. Yeah, it's so uninventive. They can't just so... have a normal child. Yeah, you know what I mean? I want to jump in because I've got something very specific to say from my perspective. Uh, I will I will say that I agree with you, Tom. Uh, huge fan of Sandra O's. Followed her career. Saw her, I think, in her very first movie. Um, uh, as a Korean-American, she's Korean-American. I don't know if she was born in Korea, whatever. She spoke... Uh, her Korean in the in the in the show, uh, it's pretty good, pretty solid. I don't, but anyway, um, not being judgmental. Moving on to something important, um, very much like I mentioned about uh, with Kung Fu. I think that what we're finally getting beyond representation, just like simple broad strokes, there is absolutely a complexity and a new and a nuance that really should be shown, especially for it to be accurate about the bicultural aspect of 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 Asian Americans in this country. We immigrated very late 70s, early 70s. And so we are of that age. She would be the exact age of the first wave, the child or born of first generation either. So I really think they did a nice job of very naturally, honestly portraying the push and pull. She has a father who speaks little to no English, you know, um, uh, you know, but she and, and she, you know, it seems like her love of her life or whatever. Daniel Day Kim was Asian. She adopted a non-Asian baby, which I think is an interesting choice. I'm sure they'll maybe go into that. Um, but anyway, so just speaking from an Asian American, I was born in a different country. About I came over very young, and I think all y'all will agree that I'm quote unquote in huge quotes Americanized. Um, I'm really happy about this trend because it portrays, it gives you depth. It gives you, you know, reality, reality, and I think that's 
more important now because of that there is much more representation, but it's definitely trying very hard to move away from broad strokes and stereotypes. So I give them, I give the show huge points for that. But lastly, I'll address the show. I think Sandra O, oh, the material isn't up to Sandra. They don't give her enough. I think the the material, the writing isn't good enough to showcase her abilities, both Reach. dramatically and comedy. Right. You know, so I think, yeah, Tom, I, I'm with you. Uh, and I think that um, if the show's writing gets better, I watch two and a half episodes and that half is a huge thing for me. I never stop. You know, I got to finish. I'm OCD. So the fact that I, I had to turn it off slash maybe I fell asleep. I was like, I'll go back and watch the other half. But if it doesn't give me any better writing, I'm sad to say that I don't think I can watch the rest of it. I don't. So it's not. You know, I, it's not Sandra O's fault, I don't think. But I, I think that she is absolutely capable of giving us better in the show. But I don't know that the writing is going to help her out. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I, and, I, and that's sad because I the thing is, not just Sandra O, oh, but the, the show has a remarkably talented cast. Yeah. Really wonderful <laughs> cast. And I don't think that they're served well by, by the writing. And I agree with Tom absolutely as far as the depiction of the students were concerned. I was actually, just, it, it just seemed like such a, con, a contrived problem that they had on the show the, the, with the, the whole, you know, Spicy Guile salute. Uh, because he's got he's got this he's he's a hugely popular teacher first of all that's how he's depicted and he's and everyone who takes that class knows that he's like half out to lunch he's one of those mm. fun te weird teachers who you never know if he's going to show up like hungover or drunk and show pictures of his his half naked wife about to give birth um by accident you know on on the screen and it's it's one of those things people so anyone taking that class would not even flinch at that yeah. little gesture that he made, especially as he did it right it's after writing context. fascism and absurdism on the, the chalkboard. So it, it, it's like it, it's, it's of a piece. If anyone even was just a troublemaker in class who decided to make the, you know grief for him for some reason, the rest of the class would come in and say, yeah, well, that's not the context it, it happened in. And mm -hmm. and so the, the the fact that it escalates is just crazy. Yeah. All right, we need to, we need to move on. We need to move on. Um, so I guess we're not saying thumbs up. This is more mediocre. to thumbs down for the chair. It's All right. Yeah. Next up, we're going to talk about the pilot for Fantasy Island, which is on Fox. It is a not a reboot, but a continuation of the original Fantasy Island. And at first, I will say the first. 20, 30 minutes, I was like, I don't know, man. This this is not looking good for me. I didn't think I was going to make it. But they got me at the very, very end. Um, go ahead, Tom. Because you didn't know that basically the pilot was going to serve as the origin story for her helper. Right. I had no idea. And so, and I also thought it was weird at the beginning when you have the old couple that's like, she's dying, she wants to spend her last days. And I, I, uh, I was like, they're going to have unattractive people on the pilot of the... I thought that was bizarre. I was like, I'm not sure. Like, I didn't have a problem with it, but I thought it was weird. And I was like, that's either brave for a pilot. Like, I can see you doing it later in the season, but for the first episode, I was like, this is on Fox, really? And then they went into the fountain and became the most gorgeous people you've ever seen in your life. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got it now. 
because uh, the husband and her were, I was like, holy crap. Um, and I just thought they were going to live out their days and blah, blah, blah. But then at the very end, she got that weird tattoo and Rourke like reacted. And I was like, what does this mean? And then when she tells you what it means, I was like, what? So actually, yeah, I, I did not know it was going to be the origin story for this character. I knew nothing about it going into it. I don't even, and so I, I was, I was like, okay, I'm intrigued. And I actually did watch the second episode, but I want to know what you think, Tom. It was okay. I mean, it, 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 very fantasy Island, a little bit darker and a little bit more malevolent at points than the original. Um, I don't know. I'm just, this is, if you include technically, even if you relaunch a series, it can be considered a reboot. But this is the fourth incarnation of Fantasy Island. Correct. The third since the Ricardo Montalban. And I'm just kind of, oh, can't we find something else to do? <laughs> um, it's just, there have been so many other shows. Well, like fortunately Westworld. for me, I've skipped, uh, I think, at least two. of. I think I've skipped the other reboot attempts. Like, I just even try. Yeah, yeah. And... So I don't know. I, I might give it a try. I, I do like the lead. And I, I do want to see how they integrate the, you know, the cast member, the, the new regular cast member they added. Well, what, what I think is interesting that they introduced, because at first, you know, when they give up the idea that the island wants her there and Rourke seems really happy that she's going to be there and it's all great. What I really liked in the second episode is someone gives voice to the fact that Rourke is kind of a control freak and the fact that the island made this decision to give her an assistant, um, she actually isn't particularly happy about. And and what I actually think is she's trying to cover it and pretend that she's okay with it, but she does feel a little threatened, like, why does the island want something? Because you find out how much she sacrificed for the island to be the host. And for the island to decide this other person's also going to be, like, co-host or her assistant, she's like, what then what did I sacrifice? Like, you know, so there's some resentment there. She's uncomfortable. She doesn't, she's like, and then they're like, well, now you guys are going to have to have girl nights and share your secrets. And she, she's like, nope, don't want to share my secrets. So that part of it, I actually think is interesting. I, I find it fascinating that you cannot reboot fantasy Island in the post lost in the television, in the television environment after lost and not do something with the island itself having having a consciousness, you, you can't do it. And I, you know, I'll keep tabs on it just to see because I always, when the classic show was on when I was in high school, I was always wondering would they ever do, you know, kind of the secret of Fantasy Island. So because even back then, there was something mystical going on in the island, and, right? And I, I love and miss Ricardo Montalban, but he always had that darkness. Despite the charm, he always had that dark streak to him. Yeah, because he would, if you asked for something, he would not necessarily give you what you asked for. It's the monkey's paw. Yes, in very movie. much. All right, well, let's move well, on. The, the, it, it got its start as a series of TV movies that were right. much darker than, than the series ended up being. Yeah. Huh. All right, well, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about White Lotus. Uh, you guys have six minutes. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Allison, you want to start? Uh, okay, sure. Um, I, I think, you know, we're going to discuss just the, the series overall because, you know, we, we didn't discuss it 
um, in any way before. Um, when I first started watching it, I was I was actually kind of disappointed. It was it was sort of like, uh, you know, succession on vacation. Um, <laughs> and and what, whereas I but but minus the really cutting wit that I expected from from succession. And so I was just kind of bored and I thought, well, these 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 are the same rich, absorbed, horrible people. And I'm supposed to get involved with them, but they're awful and and, I, and they don't seem terribly interesting. But the thing is, as the show goes on, they do become more interesting and they do become more layered. They don't get to be any nicer than they are. They're, they mm. still remain awful. But they become they become more fascinating, and, and the members of the staff that you get to learn, uh, in particular the the manager, um, is is really fantastic to watch. So by the time the show was over, I was absolutely hooked on this thing, and and was just eating up every minute of it. Um, well, maybe not every minute of it. There was a particular minute that I, I would not want to do that <laughs> with. Um, it was CGI, believe it or not. Yes, yes, yes. I would hope so. I mean, I've heard of good acting, but there are limits um, there. But any, anyway, it was it was just beautifully done. And and the cast is fantastic. And the, the writing just becomes incredibly clever and, and insightful. I thought um, there, you know, there, there's like this overall feel. It's, it's sort of like a judgment of society as a whole, you know, where what happens when when things go wrong and who has to pay for it and it's never the the rich and the entitled um they just kind of skate away so um i i just i really enjoy this this series and i don't want to i don't want to give away too much because since we're just talking about it overall um i don't want to say oh well this happens right now because we, we never covered it see episode to episode in in keeping with allison's philosophy I will say overall, and I read a, a really fascinating a review of this series after having seen it all, but it's kind of a meditation on white entitlement. Oh, yes. <laughs> and how these, you know, they end up in Hawaii and we meet non-white characters who work at the resort. And then there's one non-white guest with her Anglo, uh, her Anglo bestie, who's not really her bestie mm. and her family and it's just by the time you get to the end, it's like ew. <laughs> it, it's it's fascinating, and wow, it's I, I will. It, it's it's not a spoiler. The 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 couple on their honeymoon, Alexandra Daddario from White Collar and other stuff, and then Jake Lacey, who is in um, Fosse Verdon, is the husband, and he's just a spoiled brat husband. And his mom shows up in episode four and five <laughs> on their honeymoon. And it's like, OMG. And played by, um, oh, played by, uh, oh. Oh, God. Um, Molly Shannon no, from Saturday no, Night Live. thank you. Thank you. Who's terrific, but it's just a really interesting character examination of all these people. And played by great actors. This was one of the most interesting roles for Steve Zahn yet because he didn't play the wacky zany guy. He played like a real character. And it was also an interesting role for Connie Britton because she was really pretty unlikable, which <laughs> she usually is not. She's usually very, very motherly. So, um, and, um, oh, uh, from the um, Legally Blonde movies, why am I play? Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge. Oh, she plays was absolutely a, if there, if there was hot a mess, a hot mess of a woman 
whose mother has passed and she's um i i've i've adored she her she's the since... mvp of this series she was she and she and the the i forget the name of the general manager but the two of them together were amazing just some great acting and some great character studies so just i think it was kind of a sleeper hit from hbo Matt, for H, for hbo regular because it was sold or it was it was promoted as a limited series, and then as they were nearing the end, they're like, could, could we do a season two? And then they ordered the season two, especially after they realized how high the ratings were for season one. But no, highly recommended, great acting, really interesting. It's kind of the flip side of everything that's happened last year <laughs> in terms of BLM. In fact, there's a, there's a plot line that touches on BLM ever so briefly. But yeah, highly recommend. All right, okay. uh, so they're giving it thumbs up. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Ted Lasso, and we had yeah. two episodes to talk, which is the Christmas episode, which surprised me. I was like, "It's Christmas," but uh, the Christmas episode, yeah, the Christmas episode was fantastic, and is now every Christmas I must watch this episode of Ted Lasso. <laughs> um, it has become a classic instantly. Uh, and it's mainly because it just makes you feel so good by the time you get to the end of the episode. You have all, they said they had like an orphan's Christmas, and they're like, usually one or two players show up, and then this year it's like all the players showed up, <laughs> yeah. which was great. And they just they possible. just were like, you know what, all right, we're just going to accommodate everybody. And they just, that, that makes that me, was it Higgins? His whole family is just so awesome. And it his really, wife, yeah. His wife is played by his real life wife. Oh, that's oh, cool. really? Huh. Uh, yeah, I read that. Yeah, I read that. So well, that they were just so chemistry. sweet. Like everything about them was so sweet. And Ted was about to go down this dark hole of despair because he couldn't spend Christmas with his family. And I was like, oh. And then I liked that. Um. Oh, what's her name? The boss. We just call her Rebecca. the boss. Rebecca, Rebecca, thank you. Rebecca. She just showed up and was like, you know what? I'm taking you out. Let's go. We're going to go give Christmas gifts to children. And that was just and so good. And her line of why she did it. Yeah. And her line of why she did it. Like, you know, I know that first year of divorce, you know, blah, blah, oh, blah. Oh, right. And yeah, I, yeah. You know what I mean? That just made it even better. You know, right. it's the – I this show could so easily not like you know fall into like the saccharine sometimes even certain scenes you know what i mean but they never do it they just i don't know the all the the, the theme of the podcast for me is walking the tightrope you know what i mean like <laughs> I, I you know like again it could have been saccharine in so many places including higgins and the family you know what i mean uh but the jokes they lay in there about the don't worry there's not goat and you know it's chicken i made you chicken and the look on his face you know and it's a throwaway line oh thank god you know like it just it's so layered the jokes they come at you there's like 17 in a scene some are throwaway lines some are like you sit and wait for the punchline. like you know, all of it, you know? So, I mean, forget about Christmas. I'm going to watch it for Easter, for Flag Day, for <laughs> Memorial Day. Like, any holiday, I'm going to be like, I'm going to get out my holiday movie. You know what I mean? I'm going to be like, I just, I mean, it's right up there for me with Elf, you know, and Die Hard and, you know, uh, what's that? White Christmas. It's, well, so we, I love we, it so got, much. Yeah, okay. 
Uh, let, me, let me just say, because I'm going to say this so Allison can jump on this. Okay. The Roy Keeley side <laughs> B whatever storyline with the dentist and the... Oh, that was so good. Yeah. Her smelly, her smelly voice and he's like, whoa. He's like, oh God, you're dying. I literally, I like, I was drinking something and I did a spit take. It went up my nose. I just was like, oh, I earned a spit take from, I mean, all of it. So I, I'm just, somebody else go. Because I love this show so much. Oh, I just I love this episode, and I think you know one of the things that keep it from being treacly and sweet is, and and this is what Ted Lasso does so well, is that it it keeps it so human. I mean, there's a it's like a, a human truth to everything that they do. You know, you you can believe the characters doing certain things and reacting certain ways, and there's this 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 intense humanism to this which i i loved you know the characters are just being themselves and and a lot of times that's extremely weird but that's that's what makes this just fun and endearing um you know there's it's not it's not self-consciously cute it, the, they're trying to get to the truth of each individual character and because they're all you know over the they're they're all extravagant characters um that just leads you in into funny places and i i really love this episode so much well let's talk about the second one which uh i'm gonna call something which i don't know if you guys it seemed it seemed overly obvious to me and i don't know if you all caught this too but they've been doing the storyline of rebecca talking to some dude on banter and she's getting more and more intrigued with him and I was like, you do realize that's Ted, right? Yes. Like, we all know this. She does it. Yeah, Thank you. I was like, we know that, right? Okay. So that's I that. didn't know it. I didn't know it. Because <laughs> there's a scene, <laughs> there's a scene that gives episode. it away in the second episode yeah. where she's talking yeah. about something and she's texting and she says something really sweet and then they cut directly to Ted with his phone and he smiles and, something, it back and, and he away, smiles yeah. at something that comes through and he puts the phone in his pocket. I was like, there we go. There's my ship. Thank oh you. Oh my God, this is so great because it's an excuse for me to watch it again. I love it. <laughs> I, I told you that. I'm the person who's going to watch it three times. I I'll, have a real reason to watch it again. I'm just saying, I call this ship in season one. That's all I'm yeah, saying. You did. Well, yeah, it, of course, that ship. I mean, <laughs> but, but, but you have to... Uh, this episode was was episode two hundred five, so it's we're halfway through season two. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, is the big reveal going to be at the end of the season where they find out that's the shop around the corner slash you've got mail slash yeah, <laughs> right. She loves me. So this episode. I thought was brilliant because it's all about romantic comedy tropes. Oh, right. And they did one. <laughs> they did several. Yes, they did. Yes. Oh, you had me. You had me at coach. <laughs> I believe in communism. 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 <laughs> no, but that was so great that I was like, is he doing the run to the airport? You know, like we, when, uh, <laughs> when he leaves this, when Roy leaves the, the station, he's like, I'm in the wrong place. I need to go to the woman I love, which is football. <laughs> and he does the big run, and he gets in the cab, and then he breaks his leg. You know, he hurts his leg. Yeah, they did the whole thing. Back. Yeah, they did the whole thing. Um, so all of that was fantastic. Yeah, it was every rom-com trope, but done in a really, with a cool Ted Lasso twist. Yeah, it's fantastic. 
Uh, any other thoughts before we finish this out? Yeah, no, I just, I loved this episode. If anything, I loved it even more than the Christmas one, which is saying something. I was just, when this when this episode ended, I was like floating on a cloud. Yes. I loved, wow. I loved absolutely everything about it. And this is, this is why I watched Ted Lasso, not just because it's funny, but because it just makes me feel so good afterward. Yes. It really does. Yes. In this, in this and it's so real. In this poop show of a pandemic, Ted Lasso is like a ray of light. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. I've decided I am going to get some Ted Lasso paraphernalia. I saw you can buy the jacket, the Richmond team what? jacket. Yeah. Where? Where? Oh, my God. Uh, the, if you go to the Nerdist.com, they have a whole article about where you can buy all the stuff. Okay. Oh, really? Okay. So, wow. yeah, yeah, I'm going to get myself a Richmond. Jersey. Yeah, I want to I want to get a Richmond. Well, I was going to get a, uh, the, 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 the jacket where you can... Like a not a head, not a hoodie, but you know the kind you can would zip it, up. Would it be crazy, Libya, if we like went out together in that jacket? Like, <laughs> like, 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 it's a team jacket. We're team lasso. Oh, that would be. We can never wear that jacket. We can. We'll have to check. Are you wearing the jacket? I am wearing the jacket. I'll be like, fine. You wear the jacket this week. I get it next week. Well, um, my other burning question for season two is when is Ted going to make an, his own appointment with Dr. Sharon? Oh, yes. That's happening, oh, too. Yeah. No, that's that's going to be happening. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Uh, we're obviously giving two thumbs up to Ted Lasso. And if you oh, haven't yeah. started watching that now, like, what the heck? The, What's the, wrong with you? Yeah. Preview for next week. Uh, C is coming back for all of those who, who always wanted to see Batista versus Jason Momoa. This is your chance. Drax versus oh, wow. Aquaman for the win. <laughs> I didn't see the first season of that. Is it is it worth tuning in for? Uh, yeah, me neither. It's it's. I think you need the first couple episodes to understand the universe. My problem yeah. with the first season is the villain is terrible. So, um, but so you have Jason Momoa as an awesome hero, but he doesn't have a worthy opponent in season one. So by the fact that they brought in Batista. For this season. I was like, oh, you have now solved that problem. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I think you need to at least watch the first few, and then I think you can just probably skip. Awesome. Yeah, because okay. I think the only, I think the cliffhangers, I, I don't know if the daughter, because the whole thing that sets it off is the daughter gets kidnapped, but I don't remember if that happens in the finale or if that's supposed to happen in the premiere. But uh, spoiler alert, spoiler the daughter, first. the daughter gets spoiler. kidnapped um, by the bad guys. And so, second season Spoilers. is all about him Never trying seen to. Have that in a TV show or a movie before? You've taken my daughter. All right. Uh, so, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can send them to tvcampfire@gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on sci-fi.radio, Weenopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.